episode two of the PhD cast by the CBIS GPA. I'm Micah, and today I'm joined by Megan, Anna, and Nate. In today's episode, we're continuing our discussion on important topics for graduate school recruitment. This time, we're focusing on good questions to be asking professors and students, as well as some red flags to watch out for during your process. We're going to kick off with questions to ask professors specifically. Okay, so we kind of we kind of teased about this last episode, but um, and I think what we said was uh, make sure you ask about um, PhD turnout rate and potentially try to ask funding maybe geared towards grad students instead. Um, and we also made we also mentioned that you should probably try to ask some questions about their research, whether it's clarifying questions or you know trying to connect your research to theirs, but. Um, I think, um, so I'm trying to think of some of the questions I asked. Um, a lot of my questions were, I tried really hard to ask questions about their research because I thought that was a good way of trying to connect with them. And most most of the faculty that I interviewed with, I, I genuinely was super interested in their research. Um, but I don't know, did you guys ever have any specific, like random questions that came up that weren't like standard um, in any of your interviews? I was like trying to think back, but I can't think of any. Okay, probably because yeah, it's been it's so been long, a long time but... for me. I I can't think of. No, honestly, I can't. For me, at least, a lot of my interviews were. Honestly, it was them asking me a lot of questions for my interviews, um, and then my questions were mostly clarification, and then. Um, like how many grad students do you have? How many postdocs do you have? Yeah. Like very basic lab questions. Yeah. I, I was sent actually when, uh, when I got it, uh, admitted to our university from the then uh, department grad council president, a list of questions that you should be asking, whether it's the PI or the grad students, and I'm taking a look at it. Um, and one of the questions that she, she suggested um, to ask um, is what are the equipment and facilities available to you? And I actually think that's a great question because as an incoming grad student, you have no idea what faculty uh, facilities and equipment you need for your project, right? And as a third year, I now realize that I can be very limited because I don't have the equipment necessary to do what I need to do for my project, right? So. You know, it might not seem like that big of a deal, but, uh, you know, that's something you could ask your PI, you know, if they're talking through some of the methods or you know, some of the analysis methods they use for their project, just ask like, oh, how, where are you doing this? How are you able to get this data? And that could be a good way of you seeing if they have a collaborator somewhere else or they're able to do everything in house, you know, and you're able to learn that skill set. I mean, you could even just flat out ask them on the same yeah. point and say, have you run into any issues with your research where you don't have the necessary equipment and how did you go about fixing that? Like we've, even in my lab, we've had those where we've like been like, oh, well, we don't have this, let's just build it. And then we make it like a side project and build an instrument. And then we're like, oh, look at this cool thing we made. Let's write a paper, like, you know, that type of thing. So I'm sure they'd be happy to answer a question like that because chances are they've done something pretty innovative or built some kind of um, collaboration, which is always like a positive thing. So that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I also wanted to kind of chime in here because as soon as you started talking, I thought of a good point that a lot of people don't really think about. At least when I was interviewing at our university, um, 
not all of the people you interview with are actively recruiting graduate students. And this is something people don't always consider. They think their spots open in all of the interviewers' labs. Um, you should ask, are you looking for grad students and how many? And that's gonna tell you how competitive is it gonna be for you to get into that lab. And then if you really like that person's research and they say, oh, well, my lab's full, I'm not recruiting, ask them if they're open to something like co-advising. So they could be like an advisor, but they're not as involved with your education as your main advisor would be. Some, some of your interviewers might just say like, I'm not recruiting, I'm not doing co-advising, I'm here to provide you with information. And that's something you should, you should know because you don't want to spend a ton of time trying to sell yourself to someone who you know cannot hire you. So definitely consider that. I don't know if that's the case at all recruitment weeks, but I do remember that being the case for me. It wasn't a problem for me, but I was also surprised um, when I was interviewed by someone who said, I'm basically retiring two years, I'm not taking students, but I'm here for your information, which was fine. Uh, that's a question that probably most people will think not think to ask, but looking back, it's probably pretty important. Yeah, I, I definitely asked uh, before I submitted apps, like applications. I actually emailed a couple faculty at some of the schools I was interested in to see if they were recruiting. Um, a lot of them actually just said like, no, but if you have a fellowship, then maybe. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, maybe that's another episode we make about like fellowships and graduate fellowships. Um, and that could be later down the line, closer to when those apps open. But, uh, you know there's some flexibility with those advisors that don't want to recruit. They might just not want to recruit because they don't have funding right now. You know, that goes hand in hand with the funding question. Hmm. One question I wish I asked um, when I was doing recruitment was how do you expect your grad students to finish classes and sort of like the, the course load that you're expected to take in your first year? Because some faculty members expect you to do all your courses in the first year. Um, some are okay with you spreading it out over your time. So I think it's really important because it's going to dictate how um, busy you're going to be. And you know, if, are you going to be doing a lot of research in your first year or are you just going to be focusing on your classes? Yeah, I found that, uh, I found that from my experience too. My advisor was very like, his, his motto basically was focus on your classes because if you don't do well, you're going to get kicked out of the program. Uh, so he was like, put that as your first priority and then research comes second for at least my first two years. Um, but from not even just like people at, at our university or institute, other people that I've talked to who, who have had advisors who actually discourage them from taking extra courses because um, they want them in the lab more. Um, and I was lucky my advisor was like, take advantage of it. You don't pay for them. They're included in your tuition waiver. Learn something new. Take a class that's applicable to what you're doing. It's going to be good for you, especially since I was coming from completely different field. If you like taking classes, um, that is a great question to ask because you might end up with an advisor who says, take your required four and then do not take another class or you're going to be in trouble. Um, it's really up to them. So um, yeah, Nathan, that's a, that's a really good point. I think uh, that's something you should ask the grad students in the lab as well, because sometimes the PI might not tell you what the expected course load is. I know someone who's a PI expects them to take way more classes than what's required um, and I don't think this person knew until after they matriculated and 
and uh, started taking classes and, you know, they're on semester six and they're still taking classes when, you know, everyone else is done. So, you know, take take that opportunity when you're talking to grad students and be like, how many classes have you guys taken? Like, how many am I supposed to take? How much does our PI want to take? I uh, want us to take. So, you know, sometimes, you know, the PI might not be open. If they're not open to answering any questions, maybe you should ask those same questions to the grad students, you know, that goes with the course load, that goes with the facilities and equipment, you know, they're the ones, usually the grad students are the ones doing the research, so they'll know how much they've had to sit and troubleshoot something, you know, so I don't know, what else did you guys ask uh, grad students at like the poster session or like the dinners and the lunches, or like how did you approach uh, for them? Me, for me, I basically would just like introduce myself, be like, I'm really interested in this lab, this stuck out to me from the website or whatever, I mentioned it in my personal statement. Um, and to be honest, graduate students are super easy to talk to compared to like faculty. So they'll just like engage you, talk about their research. Um, and then, I mean, most of the time too, everyone's like drinking during the, the poster session. So it's super casual. It's like, you, you can ask weird questions if you want to, like they're not gonna care. Um, and that was the time I would ask like, how many semesters did you have to teach? Uh, were you ever left a semester without funding? What's the situation with that? And they'll be honest, because if they don't like their lab, they will say they don't like their lab. They're not gonna hide it from you. They'll be very honest. And um, you know, I think it's just important to get it from their point of view. Um, I guess this kind of ties into the next section. We don't have to like move there yet, but for example, everyone has disagreements or hard times with their advisor, right? But that doesn't mean that you hate your advisor and you want to like talk badly about them. If, um, like for me, there were times that were tough with my advisor where I was like mad at him and it was just like, oh, I'm so mad at him, like, mm, you know, whatever. But if someone said to me, would you recommend your advisor as a mentor, even at my angriest, I would have been like, yeah, absolutely. If you run into a graduate student and they're just talking smack about their lab, chances are it is not a good environment to be in. Uh, it's not something that grad students just do because it's fun. Um, to talk smack about their advisor, there's probably a very good reason for it. So um, ask hard questions and uh, see what their answers are. And like I said, that kind of ties into the red flag section. I don't know if you guys want to just jump into that. Um, I feel like we probably could. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. You're right. So we might as well. Yeah. 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 More red flags. I don't know. Um, Honestly, so many of the, like someone mentioned before, if you're, if there's a PI that won't answer a certain question or like avoids it, I would say that's, that's a red flag right there. One thing that comes to mind for me is uh, like talking, talking to the grad students about what their expected graduation was when they started versus now. Um, if that changes drastically, you know, you can talk to them and see if, oh, something just, you know, went catastrophically wrong, XYZ happened, it was a total anomaly, or is this something that is probably going to happen to you too if you join this lab, where things, yeah, are always going to end up being more like five years than four and a half, or more like, you know, five and a half even. So watching out for that sort of thing and making sure you're understanding the, the expectation for years total when you're when you're coming in is going to be important. Yeah, that's a good point. We yeah, that's I mean that's something else you could ask your 
a faculty is what's the average graduation time for all of your students so far? Uh, I mean, if they're new, they're not going to have an answer, but like most faculty should have an answer. And, you know, if it's not in a reasonable range or it's weird that everyone's able to get out in less than four years, then you might want to talk to those grad students as to why the timing is, you know, questionable. Yeah, that's a good point. I, should we maybe, def at least for our experience, what do we define as a drastic extension? of your degree because for example for me i was on course for four years and because of covid it turned into four and a half but that extra semester for me was like not that big of a deal because that's mostly just writing um because for me i would consider a year plus to be a drastic increase in um and, and that's not uncommon like most people that i have interacted with not just at RPI, but at other schools, they've been extended about a semester just because they're like getting things together. But if you're being extended like a year, year and a half, two years, that's a problem. Yeah, know? I think uh, it really, I mean, it just depends on, you know, was that constantly talked about, like where you were slowly increasing and adding an extra semester? Or was it all of a sudden you're close to graduation, your, your PI is like, I don't want you to leave. <laughs> I need you to right. stay. And, you know, that's that's a vibe you could get from a grad student at recruitment, mm -hmm. right? It, you know, like how much do they, do they seem like they're enjoying being here? You know, whether they're a first year at recruitment or they are a fourth or fifth year, do they look like they enjoy it? Um, I think one of my favorite things that I got out of RPI and the BME department was how close-knit the grad students were. Um, when I visited, um, all of them seemed like they were friends, um, which I didn't get at um, some of the other schools I visited. Um, and, you know, that, that held true even now, uh, three years in. So, like, you know, it, it is important how they interact. You don't, you don't want to go into, I mean, I don't know, you might want to, but you don't want to go into a very competitive uh, graduate school or graduate student cohort, right? You don't, you want everyone to be supportive. This is tough enough already. You don't want uh, other grad students pressure, pressuring you. So, you know, just like get the overall vibe of what that department is, how they interact, how do the students interact to the faculty? You know, you might get a chance of seeing that at some of the lunches and dinners. Um, so, you know, it is important to, you know, listen to your gut and see if you enjoy being around these people. That's the reason I also picked, um, I committed to RPI about two weeks after I visited because the department was extremely close-knit. Um, they kind of like take the first years under their wing and they really show them around the city. Like they take the extra, it's not just like, oh, here's work, like I'll show you around the lab. Like they take the time to be like, oh, can we help you find somewhere to live? Like, here's where we all like to hang out on Fridays. Like, can we meet you out? Some, like, it's it was really great. And it it continued all the way through to when I graduated. And that was, the, honestly, that's the thing I miss most about RPI was, uh, I'm in chemistry, so I'm a different department than you guys, but it was super close-knit. And I picked up on that from like the first couple hours that I was interacting with these older students. So that's for sure. Yeah. I think along that a red flag would be if they don't look like they get along or there's some awkward tension and you feel awkward then because then you know do you really want to go into a school where you feel uncomfortable before you've even joined you know mm -hmm. um, yeah absolutely yeah I don't know any other red flags I had one and it slipped my mind so you guys can go ahead and if I think of it I will I'll say something. I feel like uh, Micah yeah. and Nate were the closest to recruitment, uh, so I don't know if you guys have a better memory than I do. Yeah, I just I just thought of one actually. So 
I went to a recruitment and talked to the PI, um, and he was very interested in one particular part of my research, sort of the research experience that I had. And it wasn't a project that I was particularly fond of, um, but he wanted to talk to me about that for most of my interview. And that was a red flag for me, just because I knew that if I was going into that lab, I was going to be doing that particular type of research. And he even talked to me about it. He's like, I'm hoping that you can be our kind of expert in this field. And I, that was, mm, nope, sorry, that's not for me. Um, so I knew immediately that, that was not the right fit. So not necessarily like objectively a red flag, but a red flag for you. It was a red flag for me, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah I feel that. Um, I remembered what I was going to say. This is more of like, this kind of goes down like a different rabbit hole, but like, as especially like as a female student, if you are in an interview with, um, honestly, it could be anyone, but if you're particularly in an interview with like a, like a male PI and you feel weird or uncomfortable in a way that you should not feel in an interview, even if nothing weird is said to you, it's probably a red flag. Um, I have heard a lot of stories about this from other people. Um, I would just say, you know what? That was not a good feeling. I'm not going to keep considering this into the future. And the funny thing is, is um, some friends that I have in, in other programs who've experienced this were like, oh, that felt weird. Maybe it was just me. But then they discover, oh, four other female graduate students felt the exact same way. And there's a reason for it. So trust your gut. If you get a weird feeling from any, even go the other way. If you're a guy and you're in there with like a female PI or someone just makes you feel off in a way that you should not feel in an interview, trust your gut and know that that's there's something wrong there for sure that's a that's a good one i think uh don't try to dismiss any of your gut feelings because you know you're new to grad school or new to academia like you know it's it's the same anywhere like if it's weird it's probably weird you know maybe it's not meant for you um that that reminds me of this is a personal story but uh i had an interview once with a faculty and this is a huge red flag because I am pretty solid that this person uh, either fell asleep or was not paying attention, right? Um, I don't know which one I couldn't tell. I didn't want to ask, um, but I was like, hmm, that's weird. But like this person interacted like in between every question or every answer I gave. Um, but I was like, you know, you're a relatively big person in the field. You know, I've heard some great things from the grad students, but we're not really vibing right now. Uh, and I don't think this one will work. Um, and, you know, you want to seem interested, but also is the faculty interested in you? Like that is important too. Um, I've also been at an interview where I did not see the faculty at all, all day. And they, he, like this person just delegated me to their grad students all day. And I was like, oh, hmm, I guess you, maybe you didn't actually want to recruit anyone this year and that's fine. But you know, that's, that's another thing you want to keep track of is, you know, are they, are they also interested in you? It's a two-way thing, right? So. Right. I think the only exception to that, and we've experienced this at RPI where someone will be out of town for a conference or something, and it just happens to be during recruitment. And, you know, the grad students will say that they'll be like, oh, he or she is at a conference and wherever. Um, and that doesn't mean they're disinterested. Sometimes it's like unavoidable. And from my experience, most of the faculty are like a little peeved when they're not, they can't be around for recruitment because it's important to them. I've been the host for my advisor like twice because of that. So um, just, yeah, that's, they'll tell you if that's the case, but otherwise, yes, everything I can said, I would agree with. 
think along the lines of what Megan was saying, actually, um, just comes generally how how they're asking you questions and like how you're feeling. Because like for me, I, I meet with my advisor once a week. And if every time once a week was absolutely miserable or if they were asking questions really aggressively or like in some sort of in like a tone that, you know, is more threatening, I guess, almost, then I would be miserable here. Right. And so if they're asking you a total stranger questions in a way that's making you feel uncomfortable, even if they're reasonable questions, you've got to keep in mind that, yeah, you're going to be around this person a lot for the next, you know, four or five years. And so making sure that the the general feeling that you're getting is is matched kind of with what your expectation should be for somebody you're going to eventually be working with very closely if, that, if you join their lab. Does anyone else have any red flags before we wrap up? I think I do. I think I've said anything that I can think of, yeah. I feel like we've covered a, a lot. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Sounds good. So that's going to finish up our episode two of the PhD cast. If you have any specific questions you want us to answer, please email us at cbisgpa at rpi.edu. We hope all your standard curves are linear and all your differences are significant. See ya.